Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of Recruitment Flex. We have the dream team again, but the one exception of most of our episodes recently is just me and Shelly, which uh, should be fun. So Shelly, how you doing? Serge, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's so much fun getting to talk about stuff we love. Mm. Let's get right into it, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On, well, Serge. before we get into it, let's, oh, oh, what, what uh, let's, let's, let's comment on each other's hair. So your hair oh. is looking great again. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I've decided that I, I think I'm, I think I'm two weeks away from going to the barber. Finally, like, really? all right, with with a mask and all that stuff uh, for sure. Oh, you know, I, uh, you look great. I, don't, well, of course, you know, of course, yeah. Somebody's somebody's taken awfully good care of you. <laughs> yeah, then, you know, obvious. my wife, my wife has been cutting it's my obvious. hair. She's getting but pretty you know, good. And she, Something I was going to recommend, though, Serge, and, and I don't know um, how your wife will feel about this, but, you know, you can get this dye that just kind of covers a little bit of the gray in your beard. That's what I have. It's it's called Touch of Gray for just for men. Oh, you made it gray. No, no, no it's Touch of Gray. So my beard is like almost fully gray, but I put oh a little of this goodness. Touch of Gray and okay, it, it adds Okay, secret's out. The, All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, okay. it, it's... But I don't do it in my hair. My hair is completely, but my beard is like completely gray. It's really, it's odd. But that is um, odd. That is yeah. odd. But it looks I put very this on and it You're adds like it well. Yeah, good job. A little good salt job. and pepper, you know. Um, good job. So yeah. Thanks for the um, thanks for the comment <laughs> and making me self conscious about my beard. But that's okay. Now everybody knows. <laughs> Everyone knows. Everyone, Everyone knows your secret. Listening. And uh, yeah, we've got quite a bit of listeners, so uh, now I can't walk down the street. Well, the plan is I'm probably not going to go out in public for another six months, anyway. So everyone will have forgotten by the next time they meet me. So hopefully, oh, maybe. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. Are you really all right, Shelly? Shelly, good God. I am. Well, that's the plan. You know, I'm, I'm not getting sick for nothing. Harry, uh, let's talk about <laughs> something we can agree or disagree on. So, okay. on this episode, we're going to go through a mixture of stuff that uh, we like to talk about. So, I think we're going to talk about video interviewing, um, quite relevant mm-hmm. in with everything that's going on right now, pros and mm-hmm. cons. Um, let's talk about psychometric testing or any type of testing and how yeah. it falls into the process. Okay. What's our thoughts? Okay. And one that is maybe like sounds very, I don't know, not too exciting, but I think it's one that uh, recruiters like talking about is how many interviews should you have in your process? Um, I think we have examples of mm-hmm. too much and too little. So be curious to see what you think. Yep. Then we'll, uh, we'll we'll hide the last thing we want to talk about, which is a little bit of industry news, what's going on in the news and that. And so we'll save that till the end. So how about, okay, we, start, how about we start here? Okay. Video interviews. Yes. Do you want me to go first or you go first? Well, do you know what, Serge? Um, this is, I think, one of the topics that you and I have probably disagreed on the most. So... Um, and, you know, I, I, you probably thought I softened on this topic because now everything is done on video. Um, and part of me, part of me might change, but so what I want to be clear on video interviewing, I think is here to stay. So uh, are we talking video interviewing like over zoom or are we talking right. pre-recorded video interview? Let's okay. just clarify that. So, so that's exactly where I was headed is when it's one way, looking at the camera, being prompted by a screen, answer these questions, and you answer and click on send. Um, That's what I still have a huge disagreement on. Um, I think, you know, even as we start to get more and more comfortable with being um, recorded or being, you know, looking into a camera or looking at a screen, I still believe that video interviews where you're given questions and have to talk without looking at a human and and seeing their reaction, um, I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a bad experience. I think it, um, and I've never liked it. I, I, you know, I know there's some people out there and you might be one of them and I'd love to hear it. Like, Tell me who don't like to do pre-recorded video interviews that it's not a good candidate experience. I'm going to argue it's a much better candidate experience because 
I know I have kids. I have. So instead of me taking time in the middle of my work day, uh, I can do this at night after I put the kids in bed. I can prepare for it. There's so many. Um, it's actually the experience on the candidate side is better. That, uh, well, I certainly argue those with points, that. No, no. Those points are very valid. Very, very yeah. valid, especially considering you're trying to fish in a pond where people are fully employed. These are not people that are wandering the streets looking for work and um, hoping a sandwich board, they're going to trip over a sandwich board that says they're looking for to hire them, right? Like, no, no, we're talking about um, this is going to be, I think what you're saying is yeah. at their convenience. Yeah. Um, well, so, and think about it internally as I, well. Yeah, you know, I get that. So, How so, much time do you save on the hiring manager side or not the hiring managers, but the people that are going to be interviewing the ability to distribute them a video on the candidate? Right. Uh, and, and I don't agree that you should be doing a crap load of interviews, but unfortunately, a lot of organizations do believe. I think this is a step to kind of start changing their mind, meaning like, let's do a step this way. You'll all have access to the video. It, it saves so many okay. steps on the hiring. So, so, so that's this, where I'm Richard, coming from. How do you then, how do you then address uh, bias? So if somebody has done this and they fail miserably, so let's, let's say they did the, the video interview. Um, yeah. What happens to that video? And do you need, do you have to advise the candidate? Like, so maybe I, I don't understand the technology. Like if, if somebody's gone through this and, you know, wait till the kids are in bed, um, you know, they're, they're working and they're doing this outside of business hours, being respectful, all that. And they still shit the bed on yep. the video interview. What do you do with them? Well, it's similar. Is the video as, destroyed? Is it deleted? How do I know? Yeah, we, we How delete. do I know you're not going to use this as, you know, hey, look at look at this this uh, candidate made such a fool out of themselves and yeah. Well, you comply with every privacy privacy law out there. Like okay. uh, I think you have to establish what your practice is going to be for us after the candidate is moved a yes or a no and we hire them, that video is deleted uh, the minute that we've said no or that we're hiring them. That's just our practice. It's a good question. It's a 100% good question because you yep. should eliminate that video because um, unless okay. in certain cases, uh, I've seen organization keep the video if they hired them and kind of review it after they've been there for 90 days as, as some type of check and measure of um, if this person had all the skill set that we're talking about, but you're getting down a really slippery slope. Oh, yeah. I, I completely think you should oh, yeah. delete the videos and that's okay. what an organization okay. should do. And that's what the privacy policies say as well. So Right, right. No, I, so, I, I get where you're coming from, but I've done plenty of video interviews and I find them great. Like I, I find I'm there comfortable. Uh, I do like talking to people, but the question is there. I give them the ability to answer the question more than once. So if you screw up once, you can do a retake. A lot of organizations okay. don't do that, but I recommend you do. Okay. So if you're asking questions in this video, online video interview that has a right or wrong answer, how... Uh, you know, is that what you're talking about? Or if you screw up as in, you know, there's a countdown, three, two, one, you're on, now answer the question. Um, and if they mess up as in, you know, I thought I had three minutes worth of material when in fact I ran out of something to say after 30 seconds. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I guess that's the other part of this. And I know that's kind of on our topics today is to talk about testing as well. Um, not that I'm against it, but the, like how, how you, if you're sending out the video to your hiring managers or anyone who's involved in the hiring process, how do they know what to look for? How do they know what to listen for? And how do you now say that, oh, no, I just don't like the way this person talked. You know, if they've got the skills... Is that really that important? What's different from a face-to-face -face interview? Is that different? Well, oh, very different. Because I can different? see you. I can see your yeah. body language. But I, I if, can tell but I have a human connection here. You're talking about looking at a screen with a fucking countdown on it. Like, that's not a human experience. 
but what you're saying is what happens if they don't like their voice? Well, the voice doesn't change from being face to face with them and oh, being whoa, whoa, on a video. Whoa, whoa. I see what you're saying. I see what you're yeah. saying. No, well, and and so I guess you you would never know, right? Because nobody, no hiring manager or anyone involved in the hiring process is going to come out and say, you know, like, I just don't like. The well, I, I'm voice. I'm going to I'm going to answer your question on one of on one of the things as far okay. as. Um, like I see where you're coming from with the human experience, but the human experience is changing and evolving and we're going to keep seeing that evolve in talent acquisition, but across every function of anything you do, um, it's a lot of it where I feel recruiters can do the best job is focusing on that candidate experience. And this can be element of actually enhancing the candidate experience, but it doesn't change anything where we screw up on the recruitment side is you need to be updating your candidates of what their process, you need to be prepping them. Um, and similar to the video interview when you're saying, okay, what are going to be the answers? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Most hiring managers or interviewers don't know what the right answers are anyways. So you should be looking at fixing that on face-to-face -face interview and video interviews. I know for me, we set really strict guidelines of what we expect is a correct answer and how we want that person to be to, okay. to be an addition to our company. You can screw up anything. Like as recruiters, you can take any technology and use it as bad as what you've we've been doing in recruitment for 30 years. So technology doesn't replace bad recruiters. It just enhances bad recruiters. Good recruiters yeah. leveraging technology well makes them better recruiters. That's the only thing I see. So I see where you're coming from. Um, but I think video interviewing is is going to be way more prevalent uh, in the future. I, I just think it's... So just... do I understand you then that what you're saying is that it's part of an overall experience for the oh, candidate? Yeah. It can't replace. Uh, so, so do you think I mean replacing? No, no. I thought it was part of because you're dealing with such high volume. How do you get through this volume? No, You've no. Got so much to do already. Like when it's used as that sort of tool. And here's the reason why. So... You know, the name of my, my company is Higher Value. So if you went to Google and say you really weren't pay, paying close attention, um, Higher View is that online video um, app, right? And yeah, so the biggest I, one, yeah. Yes, I would get phone calls to me in the middle of the night of somebody who can't figure out how to do their video and I know which airline that they were interviewing for because they told me. And I'm like, no, no, I'm higher value, not higher view. And they were just like, they were at the end of their rope. There's no phone number to call if they're having technical challenges. And almost inevitably, it was like at, like you point out, 11 o'clock at night or when the kids have gone to bed, uh, when you're off your shift, whatever it is. And I thought, well, these are high volume hires, right? I get yeah. that. Yeah. So no, I, yeah, I, I, that's, that's bad service in that. And then in reality, the company that I've used is actually in Australia. So if someone at 11 win work out, they can call the 1-800 number. It'd be the middle of the day. Uh, but in reality, it's like anything else. How do you leverage? I don't use it for all my candidates at all. Um, like it's not a screening tool. This is as we're in the process type of tool. You can use it as a secondary screening tool in some ways, just if you want to, uh, but it, it should not be just anyone that applies to send them a video interview. If you don't have any intention of hiring this person, you don't need to put them to a video interview in my mind. Not at okay. all. Okay. All right. Okay. So, well, well, I don't know that if we note, really solved anything on that no, one. We didn't. But, you know. No, you know. <laughs> okay. No, got, I know how you feel. You got you to feel. say your piece. You, you got know to say how, your piece. Well, you, you know how to, I feel. <laughs> I, I think I think you're um, you're overthinking it. I think that's the uh, the challenge. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to put you through one of mine, and you'll you're going to come out of it. You'll be like, "All right, that was quite refreshing." Because what I do just as maybe a little different. So I actually start the video. It's me. It's my pretty face explaining what the process is going to be. To be, I try to relax them, being like, "Hey, like you're going to get a couple of retries." So 
Yeah. Uh, and also I, I expect, I explain what the rest of the process is going to be after the video, when I'm going to call them or reach out to them. So they, they know exactly. And I think looking at the videos that I've had and we've done, I don't know, 30 or 40, like we don't do high volume recruiting during this situation. Um, they've all been really, really good. They've actually enhanced people's chances more than D track. And I'll show you the videos. You'll be like, yeah, search. You are right. You are yeah. right. Oh, well, do you know what? I would be, I would absolutely be the first to, um, to change my mind because I just have that honor and privilege that I can change my mind anytime I want, because I know you're right. Like video is going to be such a big part of it. And, you know, um, maybe for another show, we'll talk about, will we ever do away with resumes? Because not everybody's great at writing a resume either. No, that I'm doesn't horrible. Mean, that doesn't mean that they're not awesome candidates, that they don't have incredible skills. Not everybody interviews very well. You know, like, is there a way to, um, to build, uh, I don't know, that's that's a whole nother show. Is, to, is is will will there become a way that um, people will have that opportunity to build something more dynamic than a one dimensional piece of paper? Yeah, and we can talk. Let's talk about that because I'm okay. actually working on building personas um, oh. to help with unbiased too, and how we. There's, I, I actually have quite a bit on that subject, but let's not talk about it today. One okay, that okay. you another, are. Another session you're yes. quite interested in is psychometric testing uh, or any type of testing in the hiring process. So yeah, what's your thoughts? So um, there, uh, again, you know, once we clarify when in the process, uh, the hiring process, it can be useful. It can mm -hmm. be. Um, psychometric testing, I don't think so. I really don't. I don't believe it belongs anywhere in the hiring process. Psychometric testing is absolutely a, an amazing tool once you've got your team together and you are looking to maximize who's on the team, help us understand one another so that we as a team can work better. Yeah. Um, psychometric testing does not belong, I, I feel very, very strongly, nowhere in the hiring process. It's certainly, um, now other forms of testing, absolutely. Um, if certain, certain skills, is it the knockout decision maker? I don't think so. Because if you're skill testing, you can teach it. And if someone is, um, just needs to be able to say, listen, I'm going to need, because I haven't used this particular programming language, you know, in seven years. I mean, or maybe it's a, a skill for, you know, using a certain type of software. Those are all teachable, right? So what is the point? The point then is, is you know um, which individuals, they have great candidates, great experience, say they're light on one skill. So you know what they need to what skills they need to um, increase or take, take a refresher on. So they're, yeah. they're great as part of the process. Here's what I know happens in organizations. And Serge, you know how long I've been at this. And, and I can tell you it hasn't changed since the 90s. Is we start out with good intentions um, that we do testing as part of the interview hire selection process. But what happens over time is it begins to be a crutch. And so you start getting, getting everyone to take these tests because now we have another criteria. Because I, and again, probably because it's not true recruiters in the process, they are HR admin or recruitment admin and all they're trying to do is decide if I've got 30 people that all look the same to me on paper, um, I'm going to test them. And then that way, the, whoever got a score above 75 will move along in the process. That, that's absurd. That is absurd. That is, um, I think, a really dangerous well when process. we talk about bad candidate experience that's a perfect example um, yeah. being in the it space uh testing is is quite prevalent and i i get what you're saying there's certain things though um like with say programming language that you mentioned mm -hmm. is some of it if you can't come in from day one and be comfortable with that programming language 
there's another person that does. Uh, so in reality, as you're a fast-moving organization, and depending on how lean you are, you are going to look at that person that has that proficiency. But the issue with testing in, in the IT world or in the tech world is uh, a lot of it is very academic and not actually a real-life situation of problems we're dealing right at yep. that particular moment. And yep. some people perform different under tests. Uh, in my current condition, I've abolished, or abolish is such a strong word, but we stopped what? testing. We oh. stopped testing programming language. Uh, really? We... How'd that no. go over? Because <laughs> I know IT loves it. I started recruiting in IT back in the 90s. And um, they honestly believe that it's, it is about testing you, not teaching you. No, what, what I've realized in that sense is in the testing, and we've, we've stopped it because we feel by lengthening our interview time and really digging in deep to problems, we get a really good sense of how proficient that person is going to be more than being in a situation where we're putting a test. They have kids at home. They need to do this. They have another job. It's just a bad candidate experience and we don't get a real picture. We feel in our process and other processes that I've seen that you can really determine of how people do speak that language and how comfortable they are. Um, and we've had really good success uh, from it overall. So I'm not saying we won't go ever back to testing because you're right. Um, IT generally loves testing. Um, so Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah. there's value in testing. But let's agree with one thing. Psychometric testing, I don't think believes, doesn't, it doesn't belong part of the process. It doesn't, it's an after the fact thing. If you want to know yeah. what your colors are or whatever that bullshit is, like you can do that. <laughs> you think it's all bullshit. Oh, it's all bullshit. Oh, I know. Um, do you know what? There's, there's, um, I get why so many people think it is bullshit, but if nothing else, it gives everybody on a team common language and yeah. you have to, you need to acknowledge that, not everybody thinks and communicates the same way. No, no, I agree. Right? No, we, and so, we and so the, but the, the really good, deep um, psychometric assessment or natural language processing assessment, that is golden to understand how we behave. So really for me, it's not about how, it's even more about how you behave than it is how you think. Because given any set of situation, you're going to behave a little bit differently right? Yeah. Like how you behave right now with me could be very different than how you behave around your daughters. Agree? I hope so. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's very, very human, right? Yeah. So if you're on a team or a group of people that need to get something done um, and something changes on that team, as in somebody was hired and brought into the team, the dynamic changes, how we behave. It does. It changes every single time somebody leaves or somebody comes in. That's why I don't work in HR. I work in recruitment. I just get the best possible people. So when they walk in, they just do it, kill it, and they yeah. get promoted magically and this life yeah. goes on. Uh, so we agree. Psychometric yes. testing in most cases Absolutely. in the hiring process is too old. Most testing is 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 outdated as well. Um, if you're taking testing to be exactly a decider of who you're going to hire, yeah. um, you're doing it wrong. That's well, and that, but that's what happens. I know it, it's never, it never ever starts out that way. Cause when I ask um, talent acquisition leaders, like, why do you do that? Um, other than we always have, or when they initially brought it in, it seemed like a good idea, but what it yeah. mutates into every single time is um, a crutch. Yeah. It's a crutch for taking accountability on who you're going to hire. Good point. I'm not going to hire this person because they failed the, you know, they should be a green blue in order to do this job. Well, are you kidding me? Do you know? So here's, here's what I know for sure. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll leave this, I'll put this topic to bed, but here's what I know for sure that nobody, nobody has ever developed a test for desire. And if, if I really want something, if I have a passion about it, no test in the world is going to measure that. No. Well, because nothing it's measures no longer real. about skill. Or, yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean by, by passion no, exactly. or desire or your will. Just the sheer will 
that um, that I want to learn something or I want to be part, like no test will measure that. So no, that's all I, I have to say about that. Well, let's talk about uh, how many interviews you think should be part of the process. And uh, look, the mm. disclaimer on this is it's really going to depend on the industry, but generally it should be really close. Like in, I, I, I saw this comic and I thought it was great is like, What's the right way and the wrong way to go through the step? And uh, step one, interview with Jim. Step two, interview with Stephanie. Step three, interview with McKay. Step four, oh, we forgot marketing, so let's get Jen from marketing. Oh, we forgot HR, so let's get oh, HR. Don't forget so, accounting. And then we've yeah. got like 10 interviews. In reality, yeah. the right step is you interview the top candidates, then you hire them. That's pretty much what it should be. Um, what's your thoughts there? So um, I've I've had a pretty. I mean, I, I think I can say this with quite a high level of authority, that as soon as you see that happening in an organization, as a candidate, run, run the other way, gracefully bow out of the process. Because here's what I know for, as sure as I am sitting here, search, is that. Companies that put people through 10 interviews have an accountability issue. It is at the very heart of the organization. So is a lack of trust. Because if we trust our leaders to make good hiring decisions, we trust our recruiters will bring forward good quality people and we will live and die by the decisions we make. And we have done our due diligence. We have a good solid way to decide. We are not throwing darts with a blindfold on. We have good processes in place. We ha- we're ensuring that we're doing all the right steps. So the, as soon as you start to see those numbers go up, I guarantee it every time it's about <clears throat> well so, it's about spreading blame because yeah. if that person doesn't work out, well hey we had Susie and Stephanie and McKay, and you were part of the interview. So my, I have no blood on my hands. Mm-hmm. I am washing my hands of this because you were there and you didn't say anything. What? Mm. What? Blame, right? So candidates, anybody listening to the show who is a candidate, whether you're eventually going to be a candidate, because we all are sooner or later, we are all candidates, right? Um, if you see that happening, find a way out. It is going to be a nightmare in that company. Well, let's give some advice to recruiters that are listening to this, because as we know, that's our audience. Mm -hmm. If you work Mm -hmm. for an organization that this is what they want to do, what's your advice? What's your advice for them to be able to change that culture within the organization? Well, hopefully they've got a strong talent acquisition leader that can start asking why um, and keep asking why. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? So if the answer comes back, and, and I've been through this many, many times. If the answer comes back, we just, keep, we just do it this way. So you have two choices. You can start looking to work somewhere else, um, or you can start implementing some best practices. And so what I've done when they absolutely will not back down, okay, then everyone who's going to be involved in the process from the start is in the room when we do a kickoff to this recruit. Uh, It quickly weeds out those who are doing this just because um, they find it entertaining. And Mm. quite honestly, Serge, a lot of the times people get involved because they want to say they're part of the hiring process. They contribute nothing. Do they really add value anywhere along the line of making a great hiring decision and then welcoming and onboarding people that if that's their intention and we ask them, why do you want to be involved? Where do you add value? Well, if the, if the answer is I want to ensure that when they come on board, I'll, uh, they can find me and I will bring them into the fold. If it's part of an onboarding, giddy up all day long. Um, but what I do find is that if you identify people at the beginning, who's going to be involved? They are all part of building the mandate before we go to market, before we start the search. They are involved and they have a say in the process. 
um, then it's not this, oh, we should add this person. We should add that person. No, full stop as a, as a talent acquisition leader, no way. You mm. cannot drop somebody in. Quite honestly, how could they know? They were not part of putting together the briefing or the search mandate, whatever we want to call it. It's not fair. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to any of the candidates. Well, I I don't disagree with you. So we we picked the wrong topic again because we're agreeing on the same thing. So darn, geez. Um, no, I, I on, I'm on the same page, and I think one, one of the things here. that I'm trying to figure out because like what you're saying is is accurate, but also the reality of most organizations how they're structured outside of recruitment and what their thought is is like they they push back on everything and recruitment for a long amount of time is mm-hmm. it's just we're order takers we're basically okay this is the process you want this is what we're going to do the leader or the recruiter with the backing of the leader needs to be really clear of why this is the best experience for the candidate and that's going to lead to the best possible hire is whatever steps and if you have a little bit of hesitancy because a lot of people believe doing multiple interviews is just you're adding to the data points the more data points you have the more the more data points you have to make a decision uh, which is is especially for engineers is is very counterintuitive be like actually that works the other way because we're not getting better candidates we're losing better candidates because they have to go through so many steps so like anything, when you're trying something new, in my opinion, is let's do a pilot. Let's measure it. Let's measure people we've hired in the past doing all these steps. Mm-hmm. Let's measure the people we're hiring with these less steps. Let's see what works the best. I guarantee oh, you yes. what's going to work the best. That's the way sometimes you need to convince. I'm a big believer of Oh yeah. I get pushed back in every talent acquisition role that I've had when I come in because they think it's too different or innovative. I'm like, okay, let's just test it here. And I've, and in reality, I'm testing it, but I'm not really testing it. I'm telling them I'm testing it, but this is going to be the process. I'm just, you don't know you're buying into this slowly, but I've already sold you on it. Like this is how it's going to be moving forward because I know it works and you don't, I'm an expert. And this is where we need to push back. And I've had this a couple of times and actually had people respect me because of it is like, look, you are amazing at what you do. You're the expert. I'm the expert in this domain. I have the experience, so follow my lead. I've never had anyone come back and be like, no, that's I'm not gonna do that. Everyone's yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, you know you're right. So that's the advice. Let's let's go on to the, the last subject. Um, mm-hmm. if you want to, unless you have anything else to add on on well, no, the only other thing I really wanted to make sure everybody understands is not everybody has, and I get that not everybody has great talent acquisition leadership who, you know, can speak in terms of numbers and results, right? Because there's got to be a reason, right? And if we keep asking why we're doing something, you will always find out what's the real issue here. And so, you know, a great place, like you say, great place to start is going to be, you know, looking at the very standardized metric of turnover. So if, and if you go back and say, okay, well, let's pilot this. Let's take a look at an area of the business where we keep losing people. People don't stay. And using that metric, because that will be what the business listens to. I agree. Anyway, and we, and I, that's a really good point. Yeah. Do you want to bring up some industry news thoughts? Oh, okay. Are we moving on to that? Okay. Let's move so, on to that. Um, so this is a long roundabout way of getting to what I think is going to be really big news in, in recruitment. Um, and so the topic that I think about a week ago, um, it was like on every discussion board and it seemed like everybody's podcast was talking about this last week. And it was Facebook's decision to say, okay, everybody's going to work from home. Um, and if you move outside of, say, the are they the San Francisco Bay Area, like where their head office is or Palo yeah. Alto, yeah. Um, if you moved, your wages would be reduced. Um, and boy, oh boy, did some people react um, really 
um, emotionally to this. Um, and I don't know what else we can attribute it to it, but very sensitive topic when you, as soon as you start talking about people's income and people's money. Um, and so I think it created a whole fervor around the fact that somehow you're less valuable if you live somewhere different. So, um, you know, I have, um, having in reality, you might be. So tell me, what, how do you see that? How do you see that? Is it the work or is it the location in which you're working? Well, in, in part of it, and like I don't know what Facebook's reasoning is uh, completely behind the, the scene, but in reality, um, if you're moving out of Palo Alto, which is a very competitive when it comes to talent. So say you're taking your talents to use the LeBron James to say Midwest America, where the cost of living is dramatically different. And the downside to it now is you're working in a different time zone. You're, there's many adjustments that you need to do. You can't come into the office if you need to. So when we're out of this, so there is disadvantage to the company of you being in a different market. And if that market pays less in general, I, I think it's fair. Like oh, I, like my first guy that did it's like, yeah, if you're really? not in the market okay. itself, because I'm not going to pay someone in Palo Alto the same that I'm paying someone in, re, you know, I'm going to use um, like Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, just because oh, okay. we for the other episode. So, I'm not going to pay the same. I The competitive balance is completely different of me being able to attract that talent in a particular market. So why would I pay you the same when the competitive level is way different? The wages are different. That's one of the benefits of what I call you can, and this, I love where the industry is going. You can hire people from anywhere. It doesn't hire the best possible talent, but it's all based on what the competition is. It's a competitive, it's, it's capitalistic society. It's a competition and companies are open to deciding what they want to pay in each market. I have no issues with that. Um, yeah, you know, um, I love your analogy to LeBron because whether LeBron was playing for, um, a major city or somewhere in Iowa, he'd get paid the same. Yes. Right. But they were okay. willing to pay him the same. <laughs> and, and when well, I say and so there's the point. So, so one of the things that I know having come from, you know, born and raised here in Calgary, where the oil patch um, the fact is that the oil is actually not here in Calgary. The oil is in the northern part of the province, which is remote. And um, when it's cold, it's really fucking cold. And then when it becomes summer, um, it's daylight for like, I don't know, something like 20 hours out of the day. Oh, and by the way, the black flies are so thick, you can't go outside. So it's not the most pleasant place to live, but we still need... Um, incredible engineering talent that that understand heavy oil production, that understand upgrading. Um, oh, and by the way, they need to be willing to move to Fort McMurray. You know, like, holy smokes. So now the talent is absolutely required. Could those same people be working in some beautiful place in, you know, Texas or Venezuela? Because they all have heavy oil, right? Very similar to what we have here for all. I love how you said beautiful places and you said Texas and <laughs> Venezuela. Is that sarcastic or? No. So it's, well, okay. So it depends if you prefer hot weather versus, um, you know, minus 65 degrees outside yeah. in Fort McMurray. So I, I guess that's a matter. So, so here's, here's what we as um, the energy or the oil and gas sector here in Calgary did right from the get-go. If, you, if we are looking to attract specific engineering talent, and it's critical, it's critical. You cannot build and run these plants without some very, very specific engineering skills. What we did, though, is if you agreed to move to Fort McMurray, not your wage, but you had a living premium for being in Fort McMurray, a remote community. You had, there are also, even in your provincial taxes, there's um, different things that you can take advantage yeah. of because you live in the North. Um, and there were other premiums that were 
that were part of an overall comp package. So it didn't ever touch your wages because should you now be needed or required to work in um, the company's offshore uh, platform in Wales, your wage would stay the same. Your If you are now in Calgary, it's going to be different. Your wage would stay the same, but your living allowances and what you are, um, um, your total compensation would change. Of course it would. Of course it would. But the, the job itself and the work and the years of experience and all other things remain equal other than your location. So, you know, if that, that is certainly what, what I think has been a missed opportunity for Facebook is to make that distinguishing characteristic. If you're no longer requiring people to be living in Palo Alto and the company has said you will work from home, then what does it matter? What does it matter where you live? Your wage shouldn't change. But if you are required by the company, as we did, requiring individuals to be in Fort McMurray, it's a company's decision, then they need to be compensated for the higher cost of living in that area. Well, I don't think Facebook is saying that they're going to be working from home forever. I I didn't see that news. Um, So in reality, they're they're doing exactly what you're saying kind of with Fort Mac is they're just kind of doing it retroactively in the sense that I I don't disagree. It's a really tough business practice to do because in reality, anytime you're screwing with people's wages, you're going to have some effect, but uh, putting that in context, it's like no one is forced to work at Facebook. Like if you want to go and take, your 300 grand and move to Mississippi where you can buy a house for $60,000, but you're creating disadvantages to Facebook. If they want to, and I don't know how you can dock pay to as well. Like, I don't know how they're doing it. Mm. The laws in the U S must be way different that you can reduce the rates, but I like they're in a competitive advantage that might change Facebook in three, four years. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ire going at um, at mm-hmm. Facebook, so mm-hmm. pe- it might not be a place people want to work in three, four years, anyways. But right now, like looking at short term, they want to do it. They can do it. It is it's a supply and demand, and as long as they're not breaking any law, I don't completely disagree. I think if they had known what was going to happen with the pandemic, they would have done probably exactly the same. I agree with your living allowance. Uh, and like when you're going to be asked to move in those places, there's always should be adjustment when you come back to another market that works in not the same basis. So I don't disagree with you, but I'm not upset by what Facebook is doing. Like. I'm not like hmm. it's their choice in reality. If you want to move to Mississippi and like if it's a disadvantage for Facebook and they can do it legally, it's it's up to them. And if the employee doesn't like it, well, they can work. If they work for Facebook, they can probably go work for anyone they want. So it's really supply and demand. It's um, it's what capitalism is. Mm. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So um, you brought up a. a- topic or something you kind of touched on something that I I think is also kind of where I wanted to go with this whole current news and that is um, does it now open up for companies if people are working from home does it not open up where you can recruit from will it not well, it should absolutely, isn't it you should that like, would be my yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but in reality, it's it, a hundred sh- and it should have years ago. Like companies yeah. that are innovating and go where the talent is. Like in reality, if your company is right now during the pandemic is forcing everyone to come back to work automatically, just based it's because we do it, especially with office workers that can be as the job can be done probably better from home and to give them that flexibility right now. Um, your business is going to be a tough position. I, I like the talent and no longer has boundaries. Um, this has accelerated mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that pace, which um, is frustrating for me because it was mm-hmm. a massive competitive advantage that I have in the company I have. It's like, you're great. We'll hire where you are. We don't care. Um, 
So yeah. if companies are ignoring that, like shame on you, you are losing the war for talent and you're going to keep losing it. Um, that's how I feel. How yeah. do you feel? Do you feel oh, do you know what? I could tell you story after story after story of being given this impossible task of needing, because, you know, most of my career, of course, although a little bit in IT back in the 90s, um, but really from the 2000s on, it was all engineering talent, right? Um, do you know and- what? I, I don't want to cut you off, but I kind of do because it's fine cutting you off. <laughs> One of the things we have to be very, very careful when it comes to this, um, and it just hit me and I didn't want to lose it. If we have some people working remotely, then people working in the office, yeah, you got to make it work. There's nothing more frustrating than being the only remote worker calling into a meeting with six, seven people in the boardroom. So you've got to establish what the proper rules and Make that person work at home be as collaborative because the biggest complaint that I get all the time or the biggest of against mm-hmm. working from home is we're not as collaborative in a sense. Well, you're not collaborative because you don't have any friggin' tools. Like you're you're yeah. basically using Microsoft, um, like not even Teams, like you're using Link or Skype or whatever the case is, which is just pure garbage. Like set up your team to work collaboratively with you. Figure out how Slack works, figure out Trillo boards work, figure out like there's so many tools mm-hmm. that can make working from home way better. So sorry, I just yeah. wanted to point that well, out. Well, and do you know what, Serge? Um, and I know we've we've had many conversations, you and I, about um, you know, not everybody's meant or built to work from home. No, there fair. are a lot of people that are truly feeling um like something is like they're they're missing a limb almost because they miss being around other people. They're just not ever the type of individual to be working from home now. But what just join a soccer club or something? Go <laughs> dancing. Go dancing. Uh, what I think though is it. You're right. You need to be prepared um, to to include people, uh, but it also opens up where I, as a recruiter, as a talent acquisition person, where I can look for people. Because I can tell you time and time and time again, that how many stories do I have? If I've got one, I've got a hundred where I found just a wonderful candidate with great experience, had all the hopes and dreams and fit for, for the opportunity um, and really wanted it. Um, and they said, no, because, you know, relocation they weren't willing to relocate people. Okay. Well, you know, that's kind of out the window now. You don't have to relocate people. No, 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 I agree. So I think it's going to be a wonderful opportunity. I know I did a bunch of work with a company last year um, where we were trying to put together their, um, their strategy, their talent acquisition strategy, uh, because they were in a remote part of New Brunswick. Now, there's only so many people, <laughs> you know? No one no and, one wants to go to New Brunswick. Why I'm, not? I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm from New Brunswick. I, I'm, giving, uh, I'm giving my home province a hard time. Well, yeah. how about we, and I agree with you, I think yes, yeah. we have to start thinking of where the talent is uh, as companies start evolving even more. Um, the change of pace is quicker than any time and having the best yeah. talent on your side is a competitive advantage. It is. It's hundred percent a competitive advantage. Um, so change your mind, people in oil and gas. I'm looking at you in Calgary that I want everyone to come back in the office. Like uh, the world has changed. The world has changed. Um, but it's not changed only because of COVID and other situations. Yeah, yeah. It's changed because it's the reality of how work worlds, uh, how world work works now. Um, so on that note, how about we we close this off? So anything exciting coming on your end? What's uh, what's the latest with Shelley Billinghurst? Well, um, let me see. The latest would be um, how much fun I am having, not only doing this podcast, but doing some webinars. Um, and you know, at any point in time, Serge, I've got at least one or two people that is job seekers. Um, that are usually friends that um, they just need a little bit of direction. Um, so I think this break in pace has given me that opportunity to do some some volunteer work. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? What's on the horizon with you, Serge? 
Well, I've been as busy as ever, which is always good. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, this has been a lot of fun. The feedback we've been getting on this this podcast has been amazing. And I, yeah. I'm glad that it's bring value to some people. If we suck, hey, who cares? You just list, keep on listening, though. So, because <laughs> it get might better, get better. <laughs> yeah. Like you can say, I've been listening to them since day one. And um, when we blow up and we're like, yeah. we become HR famous, you know, because that's the goal. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> no. Exactly. no. HR I've always like wanted us. to be famous, so might as well be HR famous. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's a couple of, um, there's been a lot of great things. Um, I've, I'm obviously quite busy in uh, what I'm doing at work, but I had the pleasure of speaking at the Top Talent Summit last week, which is right. a lot of fun. We're going to be speaking at CPHR event in September that's coming. We'll give you more details of this, this, as that's, that gets closer. Um, and overall, there's there's a lot going on. So for everyone that's listening to this episode, you got to go listen to the Hung Lee, Katrina, uh, our employer brand episode, uh, our job board episode. If you're in that industry, like go back and listen because um, the people we've had on, have kind of made me feel that I don't know much about anything, which is means they're amazing. Um, so on that note, how about we close it off? Great. Well, thank you, you Serge. Another great show. Perfect. Talk soon. A good one. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.